0: Welcome to episode 29 of The Graham Cochran Show, where I'm here to help you build your online business, work less, and live and give more. I'm your host, Graham Cochran. Honored to spend some time with you today. Today, I wanna dive into seven ways you can add value to people, to your customers, to the world, and this is really, really critical, and I would like to start this episode by coining a phrase, which is this, in order to be successful in business, you don't need to innovate. You just need to add value. Okay, I repeat, you don't need to innovate. You just need to add value. At the core of what business is, is the exchange of value. Now, what people find valuable depends on the people, depends on the country, depends on the time in history, but that's all business is, is adding value. When we think about business, a lot of times specific entrepreneurs come to mind who are super innovative, okay? When you think about super successful business owners, you might think of Steve Jobs, right? Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos of Amazon, Elon Musk, right? Like these guys have huge vision and they go out and create crazy things. Literally, two of those guys are building rockets and sending people to Mars. And that's not even their main business, right? People thought Jeff Bezos was crazy when he wanted to create a bookstore on the internet. And then once that wasn't a crazy idea anymore and Amazon was super successful selling books, people thought he was crazy that he wanted to create Hardware devices like e-readers, aka their Kindles, or now their their tablets, or the Echoes, right? The Alexa. Everybody uses Alexa these days. Like Amazon was supposed to just be a retail store. They weren't supposed to make their own products. There, there's a million things that Amazon does that they weren't supposed to do that are that were and still are super innovative. And I think when we have conversations about oh, to start a business, like what, like what can I do? that's never been done before, that will truly be innovative. And man, that is a crippling, crushing way to think. Because A, no offense, but you're not innovative. (laughs) Right? I'm not innovative, okay? King Solomon, good old Solly, said it best, right? Thousands of years ago. There is nothing new under the sun. Nothing. It's just variations of what we've been doing since the dawn of time, okay? Very few of us are going to have those once-in-a-generation ideas and then the ability and the team and the capital to execute on that idea to change humankind and the course of history and make billions of dollars off of it. If that happens to be you, dude, good for you. But most of us, that's not the reality. So when you sit around thinking, I don't have a good business idea because what you're looking for is basically something that no one's ever done before, you're totally missing the point. How many Chinese restaurants are there in your town or city? Case in point, right? Is Americanized Chinese food for takeout innovative? Is there an is there a way for people to add value to other people by opening up a Chinese restaurant maybe three minutes closer to their house? Yes. Okay. Not innovative, doesn't need to be, can be a very profitable, very sustainable business. So and there's a million examples. What is it about innovation that we're obsessed with? Is it just really our insecurity deep down inside? I think that's part of it. We're insecure that if we just put out something that everyone else is doing, it won't sell. It could be a generational thing. Many of my students and followers are of the millennial generation or close to it. And so no offense to our generation, but we've been conditioned from birth to believe that we're special snowflakes and therefore we're supposed to be something unique and special to the world that no one's ever done. And so we're going out to look for our one special unique thing. And if we don't find that and create that, we'll never be fulfilled. It's kind of a crippling mindset. Thanks, mom and dad. Thanks, collective mom and dads. Thanks, collective teachers that were training us up in the 80s and 90s. You crushed us. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, media. Thanks, stupid movies, right? Everyone in our culture, at least in America, has led uh, an entire generation to believe that they are unique. And yes, everyone is unique. I mean, just look at our fingerprints. I mean, God gave every human being on planet Earth a different and unique set of fingerprints. That's ridiculous. How is that even possible? So yes, we're unique. We're very different. But what I mean is this soul-crushing notion that I got to innovate. I got to make something so new that no one's ever done before to have a successful business, which we know if we do some of these silly examples is not necessary to generate a profit. So is that really what we're after? If you're just after generate a profit, I can help you with that today. I'm going to give you seven ways you can add value and generate a profit today. But I just had to address sort of the emotional philosophical issues that maybe no one's talking about. If you're looking to innovate and create an innovative business because you just want to be special, because you just want to be great, quote, unquote, if you want to be the next Jeff Bezos, next, next Elon Musk, right? I, I, I can't help you with that. That's your own journey that you're on of soul-crushing self-discovery, right? I can tell you from someone who has tried to find his identity in the work that he creates, the things he puts out in the world, it's not going to satisfy, man. It's not. You're, you're, someone else is going to do something very similar to you. If you're hell-bent on doing something that no one's ever done before, you might just want to stop and ask yourself, why? What is underneath that? Is it Really, because you care about serving people, or is it really just you serving yourself? Okay. End of rant. We'll get into the practical stuff. Just had to go there. Um, I had a conversation with a really, really sharp gentleman uh, last week for coffee, um, and he's he's super creative, super talented in a lot of areas. We were talking about potential business ideas for him because he kind of wants to start his own business. But he works with a guy who's a super high functioning, high caliber um, entrepreneur. And this guy was describing how he's not like the guy he worked with. He's like, I'm not that entrepreneur type. I don't, you know, I'm always behind the wave of good ideas. The moment I see an idea super good, like people have already done it, I'm like, dang it, if I had only thought of, you know— frozen yogurt before everyone was doing frozen yogurt or whatever it was, right? He's always like behind. He can't predict the future and see what's going to be the next big thing. And he was lamenting that. He's like, I wish I could see what the next big thing was. And we were kind of joking about, yeah, how awesome would that be? Because I I can't predict what the next big thing is, right? Um, I I wasn't predicting YouTube would be the next big thing. So I wasn't like, yes, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and it's going to blow up and it'll be a great way to create passive income. I had no idea, right? So I'm not a genius, but in this conversation, I was trying to explain to my buddy, like, look, that's not what business is all about. Yeah, there are people that are ahead of the curve, and they thought of something before anybody else thought of it, and, and they'll profit from that. But most of us aren't going to be able to predict the future, and most of them didn't predict it. They got lucky. They tried to predict 100 things, and one of them stuck, right? So that's not a great strategy, I don't think. But what has worked since the dawn of time for businesses? Adding value to other human beings. That's all businesses, right? It's an exchange of value. You don't need to innovate. You just need to add value. Okay, so Graham, yeah, that's great. That sounds nice. Add value, add value. I've heard that. What, are, what does that mean? Well, today I just want to give you seven ways to add value. And it'll get your brain thinking. Really, really simple. You might only need one of these. Your business might be comprised of a few of these. Any one of these, and there's probably more, but any one of these are very viable ways to add value to other human beings and therefore get money in exchange. Ready? Number one way to add value is to solve a problem. Solve a problem, okay? This is the oldest trick in the book. Good businesses solve problems for people. So it could be as simple as, hey, and I'm sorry if this is graphic, but I'm using the restroom how do I clean up down there? You know, I don't want to use my hands. Somebody, thank them. I will kiss them on the mouth if I can meet them. Invented toilet paper. <laughs> One of the most unglamorous, uninnovative these days, super profitable products out there is toilet paper. We all need it. We all use it. Period. Why? Because it solves a problem, a hygiene problem, okay? So it can be as basic, as simple as that. Another one that's more modern, let's say, um, is Ring, Ring doorbells. Do you have one of these? I love it. I've got one, I've had one for years. It's a video doorbell that's connected to Wi-Fi. Amazon since bought it up for a billion dollars, by the way, which is awesome. So they're blowing up because now Amazon is advertising behind it. But Ring, um, it's just a, a... a wireless doorbell that you can mount outside, connects to Wi-Fi so you don't have to have any wires, which is just convenient if you need to replace a doorbell. But it's got an HD camera on it, motion sensor, and your app gets, you know, binged. Your phone gets binged when someone's at the front door, whether they hit the doorbell or not, and you can take a look at who it is. You can even talk to them. And what did this do? This this solved the problem of people being afraid of people coming to the door. Solved the problem of, Porch pirates, people who steal packages off of other people's porches. It solved the problem of uh, just people being afraid to come to the door. Um, It solved the problem of people feeling like when they weren't home, their house could be preyed on. And so it's like, hey, you can talk to somebody through your phone, through the doorbell when they're there. Just a really good, simple innovation. Now that might be, again, well, Graham, I can't innovate. I can't design something. Okay, no problem. What are other simple problems in your niche that people tell you they have that you could solve? Right? I think about fitness. This year, uh, my wife got me into Orange Theory Fitness, which is a chain uh group fitness classes all over the world, and I love it. Didn't think I would, but Orange Theory is a brilliant business model, but here's the problem they solve. There's gyms everywhere, not innovative. There's group fitness, not innovative. They do cardio with a treadmill uh, and weights, certainly not innovative. What's innovative about Orange Theory is twofold. They said, what if we could gamify fitness and make it personalized in the group fitness class so people know how well they're doing compared to themselves and be able to monitor it in real time and get the maximum workout possible in an hour and maximize their afterburn the next day of calories burned. And it's all about heart rate. It's high intensity interval training, HIT training. And they created a way with just a simple heart rate monitor on your wrist or chest or your arm or whatever on uh, a screen to like help you monitor what you're doing to get the maximum workout with just real-time data. Instead of like, I'm running, but I don't know if I'm really running, should I run harder? They just use real-time visual data when you're looking for a certain amount of points. Very, very fun and gamified. And on top of that, they've got the idea of going to the gym, but having the personal trainer concept, but at an affordable rate, because you have a coach that tells you what to do the entire hour. You don't think, you just do what he or she says, which is the benefit of a lot of group fitness. And they combined it together in a way that's super competitive, self-competitive, effective, fun, addictive. And the problem was for people like me that I've been to the gym, I've also done workout routines myself. I also do cardio on a bike myself. And they're all okay, but they put it together in a way that solved the problem of me not wanting to work out. Now I want to because it's gamification and I don't have to think. I just show up and they just, I work hard without the need of hiring a personal trainer, which I didn't want a personal trainer for a variety of reasons. So they just did a tweak. They look at their own market. They're not innovative in the sense that they're offering fitness. It's just a gym. But they solved the problem. People were like, oh, I don't like my gym because I don't know what to do when I go to the gym. Or I don't like the classes that I do with fitness because I'm just doing what everyone else is doing and I don't push myself. I just do what the instructor says, but I don't know if, it, if I should push harder or not. They just solved both of those problems by slapping it together. Orange Theory Fitness what problems can you solve? They don't have to be life-changing problems. They could be simple problems, but what problems can you solve? I'm sure you can think of one or two or three in your niche. That's one way to add value is to solve a problem. Second way to add value to someone is to get someone results. Get somebody results. This is what we do in our information content businesses, right? I'm big on you taking your knowledge, your experience, and and conveying it to someone else in a way that they can apply it, skip a lot of the pain and heartache that you and I have gone through with learning it the hard way, and get results, right? Get results faster. So again, if you're a fitness instructor, can you get people results? Can you help them lose weight? If you were like me, an audio person, can you help somebody make the recording sound better? Can I help you get a business started and grow it, right? If I can get you results, that's valuable. It's all about results. So think about your niche. This is the basic way we do this in our information product type businesses, but what results can you get your students? At at your core, you're an educator, you're a teacher, you're a mentor, you're a coach. Can you get them results, right? That's what literal coaches do for athletes, right? I, I watch football. Football coaches get paid especially head coaches in a lot of sports, very well, but they don't play. They don't play football. They aren't the product on the field. They're not the famous athlete. They don't have the shoe contracts. Why do they get paid? They get paid because they're supposed to get results out of their players. They are hired by the team owners and managers to come in and take their players and get the most out of them. Coach. They don't care what you do, how you do it. Can you get results? Can you make my quarterback better, right? I'm an NFL guy, right? I live in Tampa. Unfortunately, I've been a Tampa Bay Bucks fan for 10 years. It's been a rough stretch. Jameis Winston, he's been our quarterback. This is his fifth year. There's no long-term contract because the verdict is still out if he should be a franchise quarterback or not. Going through a couple of coaches in his tenure here, they bring in Bruce Arians out of retirement to come back and coach. He's the self-proclaimed quarterback whisperer, right? He is getting paid very handsomely to try to fix our quarterback, Jameis Winston, to try to minimize his errors and get the most out of him. If he can get results out of Jameis, he will continue to get paid. He's already gotten paid before he's gotten results, but you know how this works, right? That's a way he's adding value to the Bucks organization is by, in theory, getting results out of his players' including Jameis Winston. The verdict is still out on that, but I'm hopeful because you have to be if you're a fan. Never understood fans that were cynical. Makes no sense. Why be a fan? All right. Third way to add value is to simplify the complex. Simplify the complex. A few episodes ago, we talked about how overwhelm is the problem of today. And where there is overwhelm, there is opportunity. There is so much information out there, so much conflicting information out there, and life is overwhelming in and of itself because we're inundated with screens and texts and notifications and life and blah. We're overwhelmed people. So if you can come in in your space and your niche, and if you can take what's complex and overwhelming and simplify it so that your students or your people understand it better, oh, You are very valuable to them, my friend. This is what I do every single week, right? In the audio world, I have become known for taking highly technical, highly complex subjects of audio engineering and making it simple to understand and execute for my students, okay? That is my bread and butter. I don't know more than other audio engineers. I'm not more talented than other audio engineers. What is my secret sauce? Why do people come to me? Why do people buy from me? Because I take the complex and make it simple. Dave Ramsey is a great example of this in the world of finance and money management, right? His bread and butter is taking an overwhelming complex topic such as money and investments and debt and interest rates and economies and all these things. And he simplifies it for people every day on the radio and in his books and his live events and his workshops, right? He simplifies it so people go, oh, well, that's that's easy. That's a valuable skill to have. If you can simplify the complex for somebody, you can add a ton of value. And guess what? People will pay for it. Can you simplify the complex? Okay. Fourth way you can add value to people. Save someone time. Or save someone hassle. Right? On the time front, think about how many businesses. I, I'm pointing out there to the, the sky, the skyline of Tampa. Think about how many businesses are out here that exist solely to save you and me time. Okay. Fast food restaurants. Fast food restaurants like McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, whatever, Burger King, whatever. They exist for a lot of reasons, but one of the primary reasons they add tons of value to the American public, for better or for worse, is that they can make you dinner or lunch or breakfast and have it ready to you instantly. You don't have to spend time cooking. You don't have to spend time sourcing ingredients. You don't have to go to the grocery store. You can literally be out and about and be like, crap, I need to eat something. I don't have time, McDonald's right? Or if you're Christian, (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Just joking. Everybody likes Chick-fil-A. Christian or non-Christian, but it's just a Christian joke, whatever. There is a reason why on Saturday afternoons and evenings, Chick-fil-A is a crazy place because every mom and dad in the suburbs is running their kid from soccer to gymnastics to basketball to whatever, and they got to eat somewhere in there and they want to eat something quote-unquote healthy, no offense, but Chick-fil-A is not healthy. It's just delicious. Now, you can get some healthy options, but let's just be honest. People are going for the number one, and that ain't healthy, but it's delicious. Oh, it's so good with the butter and the pickles, but you know what I'm saying? They want something that they can feel good about putting in their kids' bellies, putting in their family's bellies, and Chick-fil-A is like, come on in. We can pump out some food for you so quick so you can move on to your next suburb mom and dad thing right? Get in your SUV, go to your thing. We got you fed. Convenience. If you can save me time, you are super valuable to me, right? If you can save me hassle, you're valuable to me. If you can save me money, you're valuable to me. Another example in a totally different world is LegalZoom, right? LegalZoom is a business that exists to help you create Legal documents. Form an LLC for your business. Draft up a will, um, without having to meet with a lawyer, right? So this saves you not only the money of the hourly rate for a lawyer, but really it saves you the hassle and the time. I can just get online, answer a few questions about my business, or fill in some you know Q and A's about my life in terms of my assets and my family for a will, and it will boom, 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 boom pump out a legal document that is compliant for my state, wherever I live, uh, and spit out the official thing that I need. So I can get legal documents created. Same thing with rocketlawyer.com. They're a competitor, right? So I, you know, I can draft up a a lease agreement with my tenants at my rental property without having to go to a lawyer and do it the old fashioned way, right? Saves me time, saves me hassle. Speaking of hassle saving and real estate, My property manager, right? So for years, I've had a property manager who manages my property so that, and I pay the property manager so that I don't have to deal with the hassle of finding a new tenant, screening a tenant, checking their credit, answering the phone when the the toilet breaks, all these things, right? They manage the property for me so that I get my time and my sanity back. They are adding value by saving me time and hassle. Where can you save somebody time or save them hassle? That's a way to add value. Okay, three more. Number five, entertain. You know this. There are entire businesses that exist just to entertain you. They're not innovative. (laughs) They're not doing something no one else has ever done. Comedians, people have been telling jokes and making people laugh since the dawn of time, right? Kings would have their jesters, their fools, as it were, you know, do silly stuff, say silly stuff, sing me a silly song to make me and my, my lords and ladies laugh. Make me laugh. Dance for me, jester, right? Laughter, entertainment is valuable. Stand up comedians are valuable, right? Movies and books that provide entertainment are valuable. That's why we pay for them. They create value just purely by entertaining us, right? That's how a lot of YouTubers make a living. They grow a big following on YouTube because they just entertain, entertain. They grow a massive, massive audience So now they can monetize that audience through paid or brand deals or sponsorships or things like that. They don't have products necessarily that they sell, uh, but they have eyeballs and they entertain and so that's a way they add value. You see how, again, It's not even about having products, although I think the product type business is a more sustainable business model and you have more control when the trends die off, at least you still own valuable products. But the point is you can make a profit by thinking of how can I add value and people on YouTube that just entertain, whether it's funny or they do crazy challenges or they dance or they sing or whatever, they are adding value to the world and they can be compensated because that's value. Compensation, money, follows value. So entertainment, Totally works. Related to that, but slightly different. Number six is motivate someone. Oh my gosh, motivation is huge. I I love motivational speakers, um, and I love them be- from a uh, from, from a respect standpoint. I have a lot of respect for motiva- motivational speakers. Why? They're not innovative. Okay, they they have nothing new to say. But I'm not coming down on them. They understand that their value is in getting an audience to believe that they can actually get up and make a change in their life. Okay? Tony Robbins. Like probably the biggest motivational speaker in of our time. Um very interesting guy really cool story grew up in poverty was really influenced by the generosity of a family one thanksgiving that brought him his family thanksgiving meals when they had nothing which is one reason why he is big on feeding america which i think is the organization that he donates like his his most recent books on money ironically he gave away all all the proceeds to Feeding America. And he has just ambitious goals of feeding billions of families. It's incredible. So I love his heart for generosity. And it's because someone was generous to him when he was young and very in need and impressionable. So powerful guy, no doubt, right? Has influenced countless numbers of people. It's a fascinating uh, Netflix documentary on him called I'm Not Your Guru. Watched that a few months ago. Um, I have read a couple of his books, but watch that. And it follows behind the scenes of him on one of his big um, live events, Date with Destiny. And it's like a three-day or five-day event that he does. And um, and what's amazing, and I'm not trying to minimize what he does in terms of the psychology behind it and the science behind it, um, but you watch what he does and and maybe you thought this too, you, you're like, dude, he's just, he's not saying anything earth shattering. Like he's just kind of calling people on their stuff, saying what they kind of already know. But what is he? Why do people pay thousands of dollars to come to these events to see him? Partly because he's a celebrity, but partly because they're so stuck in themselves. They need somebody on the outside to wake them up, to take action, to do the things that they already know they need to do, but to get motivated. And people that, that, are inherently self-motivated, minimize and diminish and and disregard the the value and the power of motivation. They say that's stupid. That's he's not telling them anything new. It's not stupid. It is an entire skill set to get someone that knows. We all know what we should do. Again, Dave Ramsey is a good example. He he simplifies the complex topics of money, but you know what he really sells is motivation. He sells motivation. People know. Inherently, unless you just don't understand basic math, that the only way to build wealth is to spend less money than you earn. Just like the only way to lose weight is to consume less calories than you burn, right? So, like, it's just math. Less in or excuse me, less out than goes in, right? If you want to build wealth or the opposite for fitness and weight loss. We know a lot of basic things. We know we should get out of debt. We know we should start saving money. We know we should invest. Some of us don't know, but we should. It's just, we're overwhelmed. And when someone can motivate us to actually take action, wow, that's valuable. Motivation connects to a few of these. If I can motivate you to take action on your finances, let's say, um, by simplifying the process. So it's not overwhelming to you. That's two. Then you get results. Three, oh man, you've just gotten a ton of value. Three of those all in one. So motivation is huge. And it's a huge part of what I do in my both of my businesses. I understand inherently that information alone will not change you. I also understand that simplifying complex information alone is not enough to change you. So that's why if you follow this content for any length of time, or if you know me from recording revolution land or whatever, then you know that I teach in such a way that I, here's the, the result you want. I can help you get that result. If you do X, Y, and Z, I simplify it, but I try to convey it to you in such a way that you are motivated to take action because I know that you could watch a video, listen to a podcast, read an article, and then walk away and not do anything. And then, then you won't get results. And if you don't get results, I don't get the credit and you don't think I'm awesome because you'd be like, well, I, I never got results because you didn't do anything. I can't make you do something. So I'm big on trying to motivate you so that you will actually take action. Cause I know if you get one little win, you'll be sold, you'll buy in and then you'll take the next action and get the next win, which motivates the next action and the next win and so on. There's so much to just getting a little bit of momentum. And so motivation is huge for me in the way I teach. I think all teachers need to be motivational speakers. Some of the best teachers I had growing up in school didn't just share information. They didn't just point me to the answer in a textbook. They explained something to me in a way I could understand and then motivated me to care or take action on it. You should do the same if you have any teaching element to your business. So motivation is huge. And seventh and final way you and I can add value to the world is to make someone feel important. Make someone feel important. Make them feel special. So see how it goes full circle now? We all believe we're special snowflakes and therefore we should have this innovative new business that no one's ever done before. Well, let's play off of that inherent flaw in our thinking that we're all special (laughs) and make someone feel special. Now, I'm just, I'm making fun. You should make someone feel important whether they believe that they're a special snowflake or not because guess what? People are important. People are valuable. They're valuable because they're made in the image of God. They're valuable because they're living and breathing and they matter to other people. They're valuable. You should treat them as valuable no matter where they come from, what their background is, who they are, what they're into. They have value. The trick is making them feel that value. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a friend or someone you know that when you spend time with him or her, the way they look at you, speak to you, body language, interact with you, make you feel like you are so important? Do you know someone like that? that When they talk to you, you inherently feel that they think that you are very, very important. How does that make you feel? What do you think of that person? Do you hold them in high esteem, neutral read, low esteem? They're probably one of your favorite people. They're probably one of the people that if they asked you to coffee, you'd say yes and cancel everything else that you already had that day. If for no other reason that selfishly, they make you feel really good about yourself. They make you feel like you matter. This is so important relationally. uh, If you're married, dating, and a friendship that you actually care about, that you want to last, if you can make that person feel like they're valuable, feel important, they will love you forever. They will value you just as much. It's so important that people feel valued. And then in this day and age where we we feel like we're just a number, we feel like we're just another face in the crowd, maybe we have awful relational dynamics where they're all broken. There is a big, big need for people to feel important. Now, that is a big philosophical thing. And there's no way a business can solve that underlying issue of needing to feel valued and important. That's a spiritual issue, okay? It's not a business issue. But knowing that that's reality, we can play a small role as a business in making people feel important, okay? What's one simple way we can do that? customer service, okay? Um, Chick-fil-A, because it's all going to come back to Chick-fil-A, I guess, in this episode. You go to a Chick-fil-A, and if you're from the north, if you're from Boston, you don't know what Chick-fil-A is, I'm sorry for you. Chick-fil-A is like a little slice of heaven on earth, okay? Fast food and make chicken sandwiches. Sounds not innovative, because guess what? It's not. Here's where they innovate. Here's where they add value, not in their food, although their food is good. They add value in making you feel important when you walk in. You go into Chick-fil-A, you're waiting in line, like everybody else, like a little lemming, just kind of looking up at the menu, waiting in line. When it's your turn, they don't say, next. They don't say, sir, can I help you? They say, may I help the next guest? Ooh, I'm a guest? May I help the next guest? Very intentional language. Yeah, I'm a guest. That's right. I'm not a customer or not a number. I'm a guest. So you walk up. You already feel a little bit better. Hello, sir. How may I help you? And you order, and it's very similar to any other restaurant. If you ever say, thanks so much or thank you, what do they say? Do they say, you're welcome? No. Do they say, no problem? No. Little pro tip, you should never say no problem. Why would there be a problem? Don't even say the word problem. There shouldn't be a problem. Don't use, don't use, don't use that language, no problem. What does the Chick-fil-A person say behind the counter? They say, My pleasure. Oh, my pleasure. Those words are some of the sweetest, most strategic, simplest words you and I can use in any of our interactions with anybody, period, but Chick-fil-A has beat it into their brains of their people, somehow, some way, that when you say thank you, oh, thanks so much, my pleasure. So you're a guest, and they say that it was their pleasure to fill up your die Dr. Pepper cup. That sounds like just corporate language and corporate speak, it sounds like semantics, but when you've been there, and you realize how consistent it is, and they smile at you, and you realize they actually believe it, they, they view it as their pleasure to serve you, and they treat you and view you as a guest, even with the simple act of getting a chicken sandwich while I rush my family off to the next thing I'm doing in the suburbs on a Saturday, in that moment, I feel important. I feel valued just getting a chicken sandwich. And in that moment, they have added more value to me than just, I gave you money and you gave me food quickly. That is why Chick-fil-A is winning. It's fascinating. If you look at the stats, I don't know why I'm talking about Chick-fil-A a lot, but they're a great example of a business that is crushing it. And you want to study and uh, break down the underpinnings of businesses that are crushing it to understand why. They're crushing it for a reason. If you look at the numbers, the average fast food uh not chain, but like actual location. So a franchise location, be it Taco Bell, McDonald's, Burger King, whatever, Subway. The average fast food restaurant, single location in a year does just under a million dollars in revenue, okay? So if there's like one McDonald's on your corner, let's say on average that McDonald's will do on a typical one. The some will do much better, but the average McDonald's, let's say, will do about a million dollars of revenue uh, in a year, the average Chick-fil-A, you want to know what it does? Two million in a year. And they're closed one day a week. They have fewer days in a year to sell stuff and they do twice as much volume in the average location. Why do you think that is? Is it that their food is better? Sure. You could argue that their food is better. I think it is better, but that's a subjective thing. Even if quality is there, some people just like Crappy food like me. I love Taco Bell. It's not good food, guys. It's not good food. I just like it. If my wife is not around, I will go crush Taco Bell, but she's around a lot because we're around together. So there's not a lot of Taco Bell in the Cochrane household, but I love it even though it's crappy food. So it's not that the food is better. That's not the reason. It is the value that Chick-fil-A has conveyed to us. We feel important and it's reflected in the cleanliness of their establishment It feels a little bit more peaceful, but it's really in the way you feel when you go to a Chick-fil-A versus a McDonald's. And people at McDonald's are super nice. I have no problem with McDonald's. I get McDonald's coffee on the way to church if I'm leading worship early in the morning or something. They smile like crazy. Super nice. Not the same, though. It's not as deep. It's not as fully integrated. If you can make someone feel important, that adds value. And then on real simple levels, right? We talked about airlines a little while back. If you are boarding a plane, who gets to board the plane first? The Delta priority Star Alliance members, right? I fly Southwest all the time because it's my business credit cards through them, I get a lot of points. Who gets to board the Southwest plane first? Are A-list and A-list preferred passengers? Who are the A-list people? where they're the the people that fly a lot, rack up a lot of points, and they allow them to be the first 15 people on the plane, and they feel real special. We don't even have first class in Southwest. There's no class, but they're the first people to board, and it makes them feel important. Those little things sound stupid, but man, they mean something. If you get priority parking, if you're allowed to park at the front, so if you go to Disney World, right? You go go down the street, go to Magic Kingdom, You can pull in and park or you can pay extra to get priority parking, to park at the front. So you don't have to take the shuttle, you can walk right in the gate. I'll pay for that every time, why? Because it makes me feel important. I pull up to the front, I get to go past all those chumps, go right up to the front, park my car. Ah, and when I come out of the park, easy to find my car, because guess what, it's right there. But I pay for that, because it's valuable. Feeling important, feeling like there's priority service, that I'm special adds value. There you are. Seven, seven, there we go. Seven ways you and I can add value. Solve a problem. Get someone results. Simplify the complex. Save someone time or hassle. Entertain them. Motivate them. Or make them feel valuable or important. Any one of those or any combination of those seven are incredibly effective ways to add value. And when you add value, you can have money exchange because that's all business is is the exchange of value. You exchange your value to them and they exchange value in the form of money, currency that can buy things. That is all business is. So what I want you to do as you're thinking about your business, starting a business, shifting your business, trying to grow your business, don't think of ways you can innovate. Don't think of ways you can do something no one else has ever done. There's nothing new under the sun. King Solomon said it right in the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, excuse me. Instead, think about, hey, what way or ways can I add value today? What ways can I add value in the next 12 months to my audience? And start to dream up some different ways you could add value. Keep it as simple as possible. If you don't know, interact with your audience. Find out what they're struggling with, what their biggest challenge is right now, what their biggest desire or hope or dream is. Just get on social media and ask them. Email your list and ask them. Email your customers and ask them. If I could help you with anything this year, what would it be? See what they say. That'll give you some clues. And then just go out there and simply add value. Don't get insecure that it's not new, it's not innovative, that someone else is already doing it. That's okay. Again, the Chinese restaurant down the street is not new or innovative. People could be like, well, there's already a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. But now there's another one. You could maybe you like the menu better. Maybe it's two minutes closer. I don't know. Maybe you just drove past it today and it's right there. It doesn't have to be innovative, it just has to add value. Now, if you're at the brand new, spanking beginning part of this journey, part of it is you may not even know what area or niche or type of people you can add value to. You need to figure out what your profitable idea is. And this is something that's so critical and I get this question a lot. How do I know I'm good at these three things or I'm interested in these four things? You need to figure out what your profitable idea is before you can even think about how you can add value to these people. I've put together a workshop for you called my Passive Income Workshop where I teach you how to generate $1,000 a month of passive income in just 30 minutes a day. And in this process, I walk you through how to figure out what your profitable idea is and then how to monetize it and automate it. If you haven't gone through this workshop, highly recommend you do. It will help you start to think about ways you add value for free and eventually for paid. That's all business is, is adding value at every step of the game. And I want you to watch it. I want you to digest that information and get creative of who you can serve, what you can help them accomplish and how you can add value. It's absolutely free. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash workshop and watch it right there. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Thanks for digesting this material and stewing on it. Love to hear from you. Just give me an email, graham at grahamcochran.com. Let me know what your big takeaway was from this episode. And as always, I'll see you on another episode real soon.